Hi, this is John Hand, and on this episode of Sci-Fi Showcase, we're going to look into the dark side of past lives with Michael Sarazen, Margot Kidder, and Jennifer O'Neill in J. Lee Thompson's 1975 film, The Reincarnation of Peter Proud. Reincarnation of Peter Proud stars Michael Sarazen as Peter Proud, a college professor who is haunted by these dreams or nightmares he's been having every night, every night, every night. He has these dreams, not a, a wide variety of dreams, but just a small set of dreams. He has this constant recurring dream of this man who is swimming nude in a lake and this man meets this uh, woman who's in this rowboat, and she hits him on the head and causes him to fall into the water and drown and die. And he keeps having... The, these these dreams keep haunting him, haunting him, night after night after night. And he also has other dreams of old cars and driving around in the 40s and 50s and taking out these wide variety of of women on these uh, jaunts and in in this area which he's never been to before these he sees landscapes he sees this statue he sees this bridge he sees places that he's never experienced as a child or in adult life and he goes to a a sleep researcher, a psychologist at the university, and the idea of past lives begins to present itself, that maybe, to a certain extent, you know, it's the 70s, this film takes place in 1975, is the present day in this film, you know, maybe, possibly, these dreams, these nightmares, are actually, you know, latent memories, somehow, of this past life that he once had but you know w- you know where is it who was he what happened it's a total mystery to him until one night on late night television he sees this travel log uh, film of massachusetts and he sees these statues and the bridge and it's exactly like it was in his dream and so he goes to the television station with the psychologist and they're going through this 16 millimeter film footage because remember this is this is the 70s it's it, peter begins this journey to find out where these images are from in this in this travelogue film it takes him to massachusetts where he you know just basically books a plane ticket from massachusetts and starts driving around and tries to look for these statues there's no google there's no you know there's no bing he can't just go and and do an image search for these statues he actually has to search for them and he comes upon the Puritan statue and and these uh, bridges in Springfield, Massachusetts. And he finds that 
his circumstances and his dreams kind of match up with the life of this fellow named Jeff Curtis, who was a uh, a war vet and had settled in this town many years ago and had actually mysteriously died uh, in this accident, somehow relating to his wife, Marcia Curtis, who was played by Margot Kidder. And so he begins to track down the Curtis family, and he finds that, actually, indeed, the Curtises had a daughter by the name of Ann Curtis. So Peter begins to ingratiate himself with Ann Curtis. He gets into the country club and starts playing tennis with her, and there begins to become a love relationship. Ann Curtis is kind of like the, the Bonnie Bedelia in Salem's Lot. She's this, you know small-town girl who, you know, went to the big town and tried to make it, but she had some bad financial deals, some bad, uh, you know, bad love relationships, and now she's moved back to the small town with her parents, or in this case, just her mother, because her father is deceased, obviously, and uh, deceased in a, in a mysterious manner. Uh, Marcia Curtis, her mother, has become this, you know, kind of... Uh, uh, extreme drunk and she is uh, again somehow haunted by her her uh, her dead husband so peter proud again he's he's found the curtises he's found what could be possibly his past life and he he does this in order to somehow come to terms with these these dreams these gripping nightmares which he continues to have and when he has these nightmares he actually speaks in the voice of jeff curtis he speaks in the voice of dead jeff curtis and Marsha Curtis eventually finds this out uh, at some point, and it all adds up to this very shocking conclusion where Peter Proud attempts to somehow come to terms with this, you know, unresolved part of his past life and somehow a way to make the nightmare stop in this finale where he actually, again, uh, swims nude in the lake and uh, meets the now older Marsha Curtis in uh, a very strange, gripping conclusion to this film. So that's it in a nutshell. Peter Proud was a 1975 film, a film which was of its time because there were a, a number of kind of reincarnation films at that time that really haven't always been too many reincarnation films. I mean, later on, a few years after this film, there would be Audrey Rose, there would be, like, a lot of TV movies, a lot of, you know, again, trying to catch the the pop culture fad of mysticism and past lives and this, this kind of hippy-dippy stuff going on in the 70s. But the Peter Proud was based on a book by Max Ehrlich. Uh, Max Ehrlich was a a pretty legendary TV writer, he TV and radio writer, actually. He'd written episodes of, of Star Trek, he'd written episodes of The Untouchables, of The Defenders, of, you know, dozens and dozens of shows. And he, he then wrote a series of novels as well. And it's obvious why this film, this, this novel, Peter Proud, would, would make a, a wonderful wonderful film. It's full of mystery, it's full of suspense, it's full of it's full of many compelling concepts which we're going to go into later on. Now, it was directed by J. Lee Thompson, who by this point was a, a journeyman director. 
and a director of many diverse types of films. Before Peter Proud, he'd done The Guns of Navarone, which I guess is one of his big films. He'd done the the last two Planet of the Apes sequels, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes and Battle for the Planet of the Apes. J. Lee Thompson also directed the original Cape Fear as well. I guess that's another that's probably his most well known film. And later on in the late seventies and throughout the eighties, he embarked on these series of films with Charles Bronson, and it's these very violent Death Wish sequels, as well as uh, Ten to Midnight, I'm uh, Kinjite Forbidden Subjects. I mean, these very brutal, intense films. And I, I think one of the qualities of a J. Lee Thompson film is this extremity. You know, is he he seems to have this viciousness and attack to his subject matter, which I, I think is a very interesting approach. And this film, I, there are some, you know, action sequences. One primary action sequence, there is the strange scene, the echoes of this nightmare scene on, on the lake, which are rendered beautifully by J. Lee Thompson. But there's also a lot of, uh, I mean, it's this film is like, pretty wall-to-wall nudity. I think Jennifer O'Neill is the only one who doesn't really get naked in this film. The film begins with this, the opening nightmare scene, and then waking Peter Proud up is Cornelia Sharp, this striking blonde, and she is topless in bed, you know, shaking him, waking him up, and it's like, whoa, my God, I would love uh, Cornelia Sharp to uh, wake me up. And, uh, <laughs> and so... You know, and throughout the film, you know, Margot Kidder uh, has a, a a full frontal scene in the bath while she's having memories of of uh, her her deceased husband, and she's uh, you know, has this very explicit scene in the bathtub, and so and then you've got even little actresses like Deborah Lee Scott, who's uh, was Hotsey in uh, in uh, Welcome Back, Cotter a beautiful red-headed actress. She has just one scene where she actually, when uh, Jeff Curtis is kind of snooping around Springfield, she lets him in the uh, house where Jeff Curtis once lived. So speaking of Deborah Lee, I mean, let's let's talk about some of the actors in this film because I think I think there's some really great performances in this film. I, I think a lot of people have kind of um, dogged the film as having these very wooden performances full of you know, this, this very kind of TV acting, you know, I think, um, I think just by virtue of some of the dialogue and some of the situations, I mean, some of the dialogue is very stilted, like some of the dialogue between Proud and the the researcher where they're talking about past lives, and, you know, this is one really ridiculous scene where Peter Proud is like, you know, I've heard that many of the, our leading minds say that past life is a valid thing, and, you know, it's just like this, it's, it, Many people have noted it sounds kind of like a documentary. It sounds like this '70s sci-fi documentary on on past life regression and things like that. But nevertheless, at the at the center of this film is Michael Saracen as Peter Proud, and I think he just gives this wonderfully impassioned performance as a guy who is tortured, uh, who has his own life, but is somehow wounded. 
and tortured by these memories, by these visions that he's seen. And, and somehow, he, as he sees the television broadcast with parts of these memories, he, he goes down and he actually sees in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a showroom uh, this old vintage custom car, which is actually a, a car that he used to drive in a past life, and he's seen in these visions. Uh, it, it, it just completely wounds him. There's this wonderful scene with Cornelia Sharp where they're driving at night in a car where he talks about, you know, Cornelia's like, if you're, when you're dead, you're dead, you don't go on. And he's like, well, what if, what if that's not true, you know, because I know it's, this is something I have to explore and find. And it's a wonderful performance. Michael Sarazen is an actor who really I can't think of another actor whose body of work is more obscure. I can't, let's preface that. I can't think of a big, you know, film actor who who starred in so many theatrical films in within the past, you know, 30 or 40 years who is just kind of so dropped out, you know. It seems like every one of his big theatrical films from the late 60s to the 70s is just not remembered very well, you know, from his co-starring George C. Scott in The Flim Flam Man to, to this one, to The Gumball Rally, his 1969 starring role in They Shoot Horses, Don't They? I mean, all of these films were kind of notable films of their time, but they've really been forgotten, you know, and he descended into working in television in the 80s and the 90s, and he just recently passed away. You see within his eyes is this, this kind of searching, this 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 feeling of a, a searching soul, of someone who's, who's going after, and it's very sorrowful, very soulful, you know, he has this way of communicating this this longing this kind of existential longing existential metaphysical longing which i think really suits him very uniquely for the role of peter proud i i, I remember uh, michael saracen most notably for the ground star conspiracy which uh, was released by anchor bay on vhs and it's a kind of an action film made a couple of years before peter proud but still kind of a, a really cool film. Harry in Your Pocket, another great Michael Saracen role that's, that's pretty much been forgotten. So Michael Saracen's just great. Jennifer O'Neill, Jennifer O'Neill, this is a couple years after Summer of 42, and some of her big roles, and she is still just smoking hot as Anne Curtis, just a wonderful role. Not really a lot for her to do in this film. There is the, the sense of discomfort that she understands that there's something there's this kind of a attraction to Peter Proud and this very kind of uncomfortable incestual past life thing going on where she's somehow falling in love with her reincarnated father in Peter Proud and and so there is some very uncomfortable spooky scenes between her where she feels this kind of you know gravitation toward this man and for some reason she can't even quite understand it to a certain extent Margot Kidder, Margot Kidder, at this point, a shooting star, a shooting star of the new Hollywood, and she is just great in this, she plays the younger Curtis and the older Mother Curtis, and would, you know, and she was just, she did these these aging roles, I think, really great, you know, I mean, she was, I guess, around this time, she was in Sisters, and this this is kind of one of those Sisters roles, where she gets to kind of stretch her acting chops and 
play a character who was kind of tortured by the past and still a drunk. You know, that's that's I think that's kind of a, a through line through many of her roles in the seventies. Where you know, like in Black Christmas in this film, she's kind of an alcoholic, and so maybe she's doing a sense memories to the night before. But <laughs> you know, or I guess it was just of that time. But I I, I love it. And I think, to me, again, it's another one of my favorite Margot Kidder roles, and, and an early one, again, as well. So so the film was released by Bing Crosby Productions and Cinerama Releasing, and it did what it was going to do, and it was released later on in the 80s on VHS and Laserdisc by Vestron Video, the wonderful, <laughs> long-gone but not forgotten Vestron video in a, in a release which had this weird painted cover with this silhouetted figure at a door and these three paintings. I, I mean, it's kind of ridiculous looking, but I guess I guess then Peter Proud never really had good theatrical poster art. It had that, I don't, I don't know, it had the still of this guy screaming and crying. It had this naked screaming and crying guy with in this multicolored retouched, thing and I just was never a big fan of that poster but um, I guess that's how most people experience it through the VHS and the Laserdisc and the very very seldom television broadcast of this film very very seldomly broadcast on television now in 2009 the the news broke that Peter Proud was going to be remade by David Fincher and Andrew Kevin Walker the directing and screenwriting team behind Seven. And that that really sparked uh, a rebirth and in interest in the film. And it's... I guess they're going to go back to the source material, go back to the Max Ehrlich book. Unfortunately, Max Ehrlich died in 1983. J. Lee Thompson died a couple of years ago. So, And Michael Sarrison, of course, has passed away. So... The the original you know threads to this to this film are kind of uh, you know slowly fading away, which is kind of sad. Watching this film, I could see why this material would kind of lend itself to being remade or revisited. It's a film which, beyond its limited budget, beyond some of the acting which is suspect, beyond everything, it's a great film of ideas, which to me is what science fiction is about it's a it's it's a genre of ideas and peter proud is presents you with the idea of of reincarnation and what it's all about you know and it never really kind of answers those questions specifically most people when they think of reincarnation you know there are a billion people there uh, you know reincarnated Joan of Arcs, reincarnated Alfred Hitchcocks, reincarnated uh, George Washingtons or Abe Lincoln. You know, but what if you were the reincarnation of a really nasty guy, of this nasty war vet who was a womanizer, who didn't treat his family right, and who his best friends r- describe as a, as a complete son of a bitch? <laughs> you know, what if you were that that the the reincarnation of of that guy you know what was what would be the purpose of reincarnation would it be to to set things right you know what would the point of that be 
and I'm going to go into, I'm going to, there's uh, some spoils here, so I'm going to talk about the ending right now. Because Peter Proud, he, he searches for details of what is becoming, basically, he believes is his past life. He finds his family. He begins to, he, he begins a, a relationship with uh, his, basically, his, his daughter. And he, there, and his, his wife begins to have some feelings for him, this renewed connection. She realizes that this is somehow, in some odd way, her dead husband. And he, again, he goes out at the, at the end of the film, he goes out into the water to, to, to swim nude and to somehow rid himself of these nightmares. And he meets, just like in the, the past life, he meets Marcia there in the, in the water, and she shoots him and kills him again. And so, again, he's kind of lost to, to time, basically. We've, we see him in the, the final moments of the film sinking into the water as, you know, in this strange scene where he, he goes down to the bottom. It's almost like he's being, his soul is being, again, suppressed into the into the murky depths of this lake until someday it may come out again, you know. And I guess maybe we could do a, a Peter Proud too, where now Jennifer O'Neill is like you know seventy years old, and 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 Peter Proud has has reincarnated again as a young guy, and now that the mother is dead, but he's he wants to uh, to, to get on with his uh, with his daughter, who's now an old woman. I guess I don't know. We could, we could do that, you know, but <laughs> or maybe not. But anyway, I mean, it's it's a very sad ending because there is it's this strange fatalistic ending that maybe, on one sense, you 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 have the idea that maybe the reason why Peter Proud was reincarnated was to try to make things right, to try to do something different. Maybe it was giving Marsha Curtis a chance to do something right. Maybe she failed. Or maybe on a on a far more downbeat, sinister level, maybe maybe this is a, another punishment for Jeff Curtis. Maybe Jeff Curtis' soul is so is it's so evil that he's going to be punished for his transgressions, or maybe the transgressions uh, in early life before Jeff Curtis in the in the past life. Maybe he's being punished for it's going to be punished for a hundred lifetimes, for a thousand lifetimes, a thousand lifetimes of pain, a thousand lifetimes. Maybe in this one lifetime of Peter Proud, he's been able to bridge the gap and and to to find the connection to his older life. But it doesn't matter because again, he's going to be punished for his transgressions. I mean, Peter Proud is a much different guy than Jeff Curtis. He's portrayed as, as a very nice guy. Jeff Curtis is portrayed as not a very nice guy. But, you know, at the same time, maybe there's a bit of that Jeff Curtis in Peter Proud. Maybe that begins to come out in his relationships with his uh, with his daughter. So, it, it's, it's a film of, of very compelling ideas. And one of the most important things in this film, beyond the excellent uh, excellent direction of J. Lee Thompson, the wonderful performance by Michael Sarazen, and the, the wonderful script by Max Ehrlich, who wrote the book, also wrote the screenplay. Those you know, great elements, what kind of tops it off is this superb, superb score by Jerry Goldsmith, who is really at that 
at that time period he was just the shining star and he he does this soundtrack which is at times a very this theme this uh, Peter Powell theme is played in a very sorrowful orchestral theme a quiet piano theme and then there are these kind of bubbling electronic sounds which permeate the film these bubbling moog electronic sounds which are very modern and very scary and very experimental there are the score the peter proud score has been released it was released in a limited edition but then for years it's been released on both lp and uh, other formats in in a bootleg and it's there there are there are tracks of that score which are very beautiful and very conventional, yet there are other tracks which are incredibly experimental. So uh, that's that's a really great score to kind of uh, you know drive. It's a it's a great driving score because most of the of Peter Proud is the guy driving around uh, Springfield, Massachusetts. And by the way, this film is kind of uh, many people who live in Springfield it's kind of like a travel log of Springfield Massachusetts and you can pick out if you if you watch the movie you can go to Springfield and a lot of the the uh, monuments of Springfield uh, are like the the Puritan statues in the quadrangle and and other other things and you can actually go and and check those places out but he's he's driving this car to the to the sounds of this Jerry Goldsmith soundtrack and it's it's just a a great score and uh, something that's that's worth checking out and worth driving along to if you want to be depressed because the film the the soundtrack is very depressing it kind of again speaks to this character's inner longing and his his inner connection to this to this past life which is haunting him and and somehow ripping him apart so there it is the reincarnation of peter proud a wonderful film Available on, again, the old VHS and Lazarus releases. Very difficult to find, actually, in this modern age, because it's, it's, again, one of those films where it's it's a rights uh, nightmare, where I think the original owners are... Again, it's a a complex, messy thing. I believe it has been released in Brazil on DVD. There is a Brazilian DVD, which has kind of been floating around of unknown origin, and that's probably maybe one you might want to check out, or the Laserdisc release, or even the VHS is is fine. Uh, that's what I watched, and uh, you know it sufficed for me. So in any case, at, no matter how you watch it, Reincarnation of Peter Proud, a a wonderful film. <laughs> 